Hey guys, C.S. Joseph with csjoseph.life doing another episode, the final episode of season 12. Uh, today we're going to be talking about what types are socially compatible with the INFP. Yes, it's taken us this long, 17 episodes to get to the INFP. I'm sorry, not sorry. I mean, it's these take a lot of work to do and quite frankly, I am super happy that I don't have to do these anymore because it's like, wow, I need some variety here. Seriously need some variety. So I am uh, definitely going to be going away from social compatibility with the next lecture series on type. And I'm also going to be doing some uh, comparison lectures as well. Anyway, these tend to run a little long, so I'm gonna try to speed things up a little bit. So. What is social compatibility? Uh, season 12, episode 17. What is social compatibility for INFPs? But what is social compatibility? It is what we call friendship compatibility. We are combining face-to-face -face relationships with shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder relationships, bringing them together, averaging them together, and then as a result, we get the algorithm for friendship. Friendship compatibility, aka social compatibility, is not romantic compatibility. It is not professional compatibility. This functional compatibility is focused on just friends, so be aware of that. Although technically the top two of this particular algorithm are also the top two for the romantic compatibility as well, be advised. And it's also the same for the professional compatibility as well, be advised. I love saying that a lot for some reason. Weird. Anyway, so with that in mind, uh, that is how uh, functional compatibility is basically when the cognitive functions come together and the cognitive functions are in axis. Extroverted functions want to consume introverted functions, specifically an example, extroverted thinking wants to find ex introverted thinking. If you have an introverted, a bunch of introverted thinkers in the room, uh, the extroverted thinker will feel smarter as a result of being around those introverted thinkers, etc. That is just an example with which uh, we're going with it. So uh, so that's what functional compatibility is, is the cognitive functions coming together, fitting, fitting together like perfect puzzle pieces or not so perfect puzzle pieces. It's kind of fluid, it's soft. You know, you can kind of make some puzzle pieces work, but they just don't work as well, etc. And it has a lot to do with, uh, you know, like a radio and a transceiver, your cognitive functions are different channels that you could tune into someone else's uh, cognitive functions with their channels, etc. And sometimes you're able to broadcast really well or receive really well, depending on how much bandwidth is available. And the bandwidth changes depending on what level of cognition you have available in your mind. So to facilitate that, that's why I have my lecture on the eight cognitive spectra, so you can understand how our minds work like a radio and how we're sending and receiving data like transceivers, mental transceivers. And that is how compatibility works in that regard. So, and as always, my disclaimer, compatibility is not the same as camaraderie. Yes, you could be two NFPs, an ENFP and INFP, and be like best friends, but that's because you have super high camaraderie with each other, which is a very decent, more shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder weighted relationship, and not so much face-to-face. -face. This is about kind of a more mixture of shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder and face-to-face, -face specifically for friendship within this form of compatibility. It is not the same as camaraderie. So Sionics would like to state that duality relationships, so you being in a relationship with your polar opposite, is uh, highest compatibility when in reality that's actually super high camaraderie. It's not the same. Uh, we have camaraderie because our race, if we're incompatible with somebody mentally, we could still potentially have high camaraderie with them, which allows us to either learn from them, grow from them, uh, uh, do tasks together very well, and somewhat develop a friendship. But the friendship is based on camaraderie. It is not based on compatibility, which means the relationship may not be as deep and meaningful as most people uh, would think it is, I guess. And uh, it could potentially be more likely that it would be shallow or from a distance or at arm's length, etc. So just remember when I'm doing these lectures, social compatibility has some specific caveats to it. And these caveats are, it's based on friendship. This is not romantic, this is not professional and Compatibility is based on cognitive functions fitting together very well for deep, meaningful friendships. And, and uh, compatibility is not the same as camaraderie. That is a different form 
of coming together between the types. And this is usually because of similar traits, like similar temperament, similar interaction style, uh, being, an, being INJs together, or INPs together, or NTPs together, or SFPs together, or SFJs together, etc., etc. Those types of things determine more of a camaraderie uh, togetherness uh, instead of a functional compatibility. So anyway, with that in mind, let's begin the deep dive. We have three sections for this lecture. Section one is actually talking about the order of compatibility according to friendship, according to social compatibility. For those listening on the podcast, of course. And then uh, section two is we're going to talk about the four least compatible types uh, with the INFP. And then section three is going to be talking about the highest uh, compatible types. Um, you know, so. And because I'm a nice person right now, you could basically fast forward this lecture to six minutes and uh, begin the actual content after our usual intro. So anyway, with that being said, those listening on the podcast, here is the order of compatibility according to social compatibility for the INFP. Starting off the NJs at the top, followed by SPs second, NPs third, SJs fourth, going a little bit deeper, NFJs first, STPs second, NTJs third, SFPs fourth, SFJ's 5th, NTP's 6th, STJ's 7th, and NFP's 8th, fellow NFP's. And now the list of the 16 types from top to bottom, from deep, meaningful uh, friendship to more shallow acquaintancy of friendship with potential for high camaraderie, but again, low functional compatibility. So, you know, it's kind of like being really, really, really super mega close. Uh, you know, on the level of like almost like in love, but not in love, you know, or, you know, like bromance almost, you know what I mean? Or more shallow and, you know, proper, I guess, or it, I don't, I have no idea how to really describe that. Just very shallow and um, surface oriented relationship will be towards the bottom. So starting at the top for one through 16, First highest compatibility type, compatible type of the INFP is the ENFJ. That's number one. Number two is the INFJ. Number three is the ESTP. Number four is the ISTP. Number five, it helps if I do, you know, counting properly. ENTJ is next. INTJ after the ENTJ. And then number seven is the ESFP. Number eight is the ISFP. Number nine is the ESFJ. Number 10 is the ISFJ. Number 11 is the ENTP, that's me. Number 12 is the INTP, 13 is the ESTJ, 14 is the ISTJ, 15 is the ENFP, and 16 is the INFP. So there you have it, that is what this algorithm output is for the 16 types in order of social compatibility for the INFP, AKA the dreamer. Remember, INFPs are behind the scenes type, or also known as back ground type. So they are informative, responding, control, just like the INTP, which is what we did yesterday. Uh, they go at their own pace because they're very control oriented. Uh, they're very responding. They like it when they prefer it when people come to them instead of them having to go to others for information. They like to be informed, but they also like to inform others and keep other people informed. It makes them feel good when people think highly of them in that way. So they want to bring information to those people that would increase their status and cause others to think highly of them as INFPs which makes them feel good. It makes them feel uh, even more so obligated to, the own, to their own selves to basically continue to share that information as it builds up their status for them and their reputation amongst those closest to them and even those not so closest to them so that they can really revel in that uh, personal status and that, in that personal uh, principled approach. It also helps them develop their moral compass so that their high moral compass of FI hero can um, so they can make decisions based on, okay, this is a bad thing, this is a good thing, et cetera, et cetera. And they have a very huge value system that's also based on principles and rules. Those principles are very TE oriented, very TE rules. It's kind of interesting that values uh, go together with the principles and rules of TE, values with FI, and they are together in an axis, yin and yang equilibrium to a point with one more primary and one more secondary. It's kind of like a slanted uh, yin and yang equilibrium to a point. But again, that's how cognitive functions work. You know, yin and yang doesn't always have to be in like perfect balance, even though we're trying to seek balance in our lives. And I guess most people would argue that we gain enlightenment as a result of reaching that balance, but that's not necessarily how our minds mechanically work, right? 
So <clears throat> it's like having a Venn diagram and one of the circles is slightly smaller than the other one. Okay, that's that's basically what that means. So just, just be aware of that as we're talking about cognitive functions. So anyway, uh, they are also the idealist, uh, all about uh, you know trying to bring in the ideal perfect world. INFPs live in a little dreamland. They're constantly daydreaming all the time. They wanna bring their ideal or aspects of their ideal dreamland into reality so that they can have it in reality and not just their ideal little dreamland, you know, in a world where there's no war and there's always world peace and, and people are always so caring and they always think so highly of the INFP and, and they all believe that the INFP is the is the best person ever and, and because of their guidance and their personal philosophy, the INFP is able to change the world overnight and then all of a sudden we have this ideal utopian society which, which we in, with which we live in, right? Okay, yeah, I, that's not necessarily true for all INFPs, but especially younger INFPs, the more immature INFPs, and maybe even some of the mature ones, uh, arguments for utopia actually really do come from INFPs more than any of the 16 types. So just be aware of that. I think that's also why statistically INFPs are the one type to have the most uh, presence of SJWs within that type with ENFPs as a close second. And then um, INFJs is the third and ENFJs is a close fourth. It's kind of interesting how NFs uh, are definitely represented in the SJW spectrum, if you know what I mean. So anyway, with that being said, let us now explore the bottom four types that are compatible or least compatible <laughs> with the INFP, AKA the dreamer. So we have INFP plus INFP. This is like, this is, this is great. Uh, this is, you're kind of watching this happen and it's like, um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know, you're, you're watching a Hamlet play and the guy that is like the lead, uh, the lead uh, star of Hamlet is also setting the stage on fire at the same time. It's 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 definitely an amazing spectacle. And I recommend you know getting some popcorn and watching in the same way that one would recommend the INTP versus INTP uh, situation. So this is very very interesting. Um, you know this INFP is telling this other INFP, wow, you like you never make me comfortable, and I am never in the mood to deal with you. It's like well you just like never are motivated to do anything. You're the laziest person I've ever met. No, you're lazy, actually. Maybe if yesterday uh, you actually got something done, I would be more motivated today to do something. But because you didn't do anything yesterday, I am so not motivated to do anything like today. And it's like, well, sure. Well, if you're not motivated today, then fine. I'm not gonna be motivated tomorrow. In fact, I'm not even motivated right now. And I'm just gonna slam the door and go in my room and be alone and not have to have anything to do with you, you know? And it's like, you know. <laughs> Or, or uh, wow, why do you think so little of me all the time? Well, it's because you think so little of me all the time. It's like, well, but I'm such a moral person. Don't you benefit, you know, me being around with my glowing personality? No, I don't need that because I have a much more glowing personality than you do. What? How could you say that? I didn't know that you felt that about me. And it's like, well, I think it would be obvious by now because I'm never like motivated, like there's no way I'm gonna make you comfortable and I know you don't make me comfortable, so I have to be the one that makes me comfortable all the time. I'm, you know, it's just, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. And it just becomes a comparing dick contest. One INFP believes they're more moral and more capable or more organized than the other one. The other one starts believing the other one that they're more smarter than the other one. Uh, and that their personal philosophy is not is, is out of date and it's not up to date and it's a it's a problem and uh, it's just it's just absolutely insane. <sighs> you know the INFP is super insecure that uh, that the other INFP you know you know might be stupid. They're afraid that the other person is stupid, but this INFP is afraid that this one's stupid as well. And then worried that this other INFP is a bad person. And then this INFP is also worried that that person's a bad person too. And it's just not going to work. And this INFP is looking for comfort from this INFP when this INFP is looking for comfort for this one. They're both looking for comfort from each other. And it's like, wow, that's really going to work out. Wow, INFPs, you should definitely have friendships with fellow INFPs as you're trying to look to the other person to figure out who's making who comfortable. You know, hey, maybe we should have a schedule. One INFP has, INFPA has Monday. Okay, on Monday, you're going to make me comfortable, right? And then on Tuesday, I'll make you comfortable, right? So then on Monday, INFPA definitely makes INFPB as comfortable as possible, totally hoping that the next day, you know, on Tuesday, that they're gonna be made comfortable. But, you know, 
the first INFP was so comfortable and just so happy about that that the next day that they just kind of were such in a great mood that they kind of forgot about, you know, being making the other INFP comfy. Well, then it's just completely leads to even more conflict. Great. Yeah, not the best. So not a relationship I recommend. There is a lot of interference, cognitive functions, uh, short distance between two points of straight line. FE is trying to eat FI. Uh, NE is trying to eat NI. There's lack of motivation there, trying to provide warning. It's like, well, I'm safe enough already. I don't have to, work. I don't have to listen to you. And there's a lot of interference and cross sections and intersections between the other cognitive functions, trying to get to where they're going. And they have to find all of their cognition within the shadow. Definitely not a relationship I would recommend for friendship, no. And then we have the INFP and the ENFP, which is like, oh, we could be sisters, or oh, we could be brothers, and uh, quick, let's go manipulate people together and, and, and change their minds and adjust their beliefs according to our beliefs. And then because once they're believing things for us, that means they'll take us out to eat, you know, and, and then we'll be able to have a really nice dinner because the, we got these people, convince these people to think really highly of us, even though we're not really that great, but we're not going to tell them, right? You know, and... <laughs> I've actually seen that happen. I actually have personal experience with two NFPs getting together, coming up with a war plan to uh, convince some guys at a bar to take them out and convince them to take them out to like this, you know, be like, oh, hey, you know, we, we really want to go to Ruth's Chris because we definitely want a really nice dinner at steak tonight and we'll definitely make it your, worth your while. And then the guys totally fall for it and then like no one gets laid that night, if you know what I mean. It's because the girls just basically left the table and left them with the bill and they had absolutely, you know, they got completely screwed and the girls are walking off and, you know, and it's like, yeah, because that's when, that's what happens when NFPs team up. Because remember, in the absence of explanation or communication, perceptions become reality. So NFPs just start marionetting people around them. And it's because they could see what people are going to do before they do it. They also could see what people are thinking. They can adjust the thinking of other people around them. It's a form of thought manipulation, right? Oh, I can't believe, Mr. Joseph, that you're calling me a manipulator. And I'm like, okay, listen, all social interaction, 100% of social interaction, all of it, positive or negative, is manipulation. I don't care about the negative connotation, and I don't care how you feel about it. That is a fact. 100% of all social interaction is manipulation, positive or negative, whatever. I mean, why the hell do you as NFPs actually bother like, you know, putting on a good first impression? That in its own right is technically manipulation. That's a fact. So again, don't freak out and have like some negative emotional reaction to me just being all like, hey, you're being manipulative because technically everyone is manipulative. So it's not like, and I've called out plenty of types for being manipulative. So, including my own. So like pipe down, it's not really that bad. It's okay, it's okay. So INFPs, ENFPs, super high camaraderie because they're both NFPs and they could definitely be the dynamic duo and they could totally take some people out together and <laughs> it gets it gets pretty interesting, especially like in finances. I've seen um, some really awesome uh, con man uh, stories or con jobs about NFPs teaming up together and doing these like huge elaborate cons and actually pulling them off and it's just unbelievable to see. And that's the power of when these two uh, uh, get together from a camaraderie standpoint, because they just really know how to work the crowd. They really know how uh, they really, you know, how to adjust people's thinking. They know what people want. They know their passions. They know what other people desire. And then they could just, you know, put those little desire carrots out there and adjust their thinking, introduce additional stimuli, and then predict how these people will behave all the way through. And they're literally marionetting them. You know, it's like it's a form of mind control. And it's the most amazing thing to watch is these NFPs literally mind controlling other people. It's it's interesting, and I've and I've and I've uh, I've even fallen prey to it at one point in time. Uh, luckily, uh, I got up and left before I paid for anything or ordered anything at that point in time. If you know what I mean. So, but anyway, what's the problem here? When they get together and they're trying to have a friendship, it's like you know the ENFP's criticizing the INFP. You're not a good person because you're not making me comfortable and you don't think highly of me. You never think well of me. I do so much for you. And the, the INFP is like the ENFP, what are you talking about? I do so much for you. You know, why are, you know, I'm worried that you're not a good person. I think you're the most selfish human being in the world. No, I think you're the most selfish human being in the world. And that's the thing. When you have 
two NFPs, you know, together in this regard, and you could definitely shut them down by causing them to actually turn their attention away from you and turn them, their attention onto each other and then just make it an argument about who's the better person or an argument about like who's more selfish and then it completely breaks down and then you yourself are the winner even though in that bar situation that they were trying to be manipulating you into doing something even though, you know, and you're able to turn the tables on them as a result of just being like, hey, you know, which one's the better one or who's more selfish or just kind of twist it a little bit in that way and just watch them crumble. You gotta be really careful when you do that, but that is definitely one way to get around that if they are going together as a team to, again, manipulate other people, something to be watch out for. But remember, short distance between two points of straight line, four points of intersection here uh, with how the cognitive functions are going. The cognitive functions are not able to find the data that they're looking for and it can be a problem. Definitely not something I'd recommend. The INFP's personal philosophy with the ENFP's creed. The, the ENFP's trying to get the creed out, but if it doesn't match the personal philosophy of the INFP, that's going to be a problem. It's just going to lead to conflict and it's not going to be very good for that friendship and they will not be friends anymore. And to the point where they will cut them out of their life or, or actually, quite frankly, it's not even direct. What they'll do is they'll just ghost each other because that's what NFP's do. They just ghost people for some reason. I hate it when they ghost people. So what I like to do sometimes, knowing that I'm about to be ghosted by an NFP, I ghost them first, and then that really gets them going, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, NFP ghosting, it's good times. So then we have the INFP and the ISTJ, very different, you know, and uh, this, this is absolutely rough, rough, rough friendship. Uh, the INFP is trying to motivate the ISTJ or the I, and the ISTJ is afraid of what the INFP might do and the INFP never communicates uh, their intentions to the ISTJ which keeps the ISTJ in a state of fear and in a state of uncomfort. The INFP uh, starts to dislike the ISTJ because the ISTJ is always like so smart, so much smarter, you know, blah, 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 and it just turns into a competition. Well, you may be smarter than me, but I'm more moral than you are, which really pisses off the ISTJ uh, FI child. And then the INFP is worried that the ISTJ is a bad person. The ISTJ is not even remotely aware the INFP is a good person and uh, not even capable of doing good things and the INFP is trying to motivate the ISTJ, that's not going to work. The INFP is looking to the ISTJ for getting a good experience. The ISTJ is worried that they're not giving a good enough experience or they just don't care about the experience that they're giving to the SI child of the INFP. So again, there's a lot of conflict here. And again, two uh, short distance between two points of a straight line. I'm sure that TE parent is enjoying that TI demon and I am sure that any parent is enjoying that NI demon Definitely not a relationship I would recommend. And then we have the INFP plus the ESTJ. That's really good because this is like literally competition, competition, competition. And yes, they will accuse each other of being lazy. They will accuse each other of not knowing what, what the other person wants. They will accuse each other of, you know, you're not making me comfortable or you are, you are just so uncomfortable all the time. And they, they'll be accusing each other. Um, it's funny watching an ESTJ tell an INFP that they're ugly, that I, I, I have witnessed that in like a professional setting. That was really bad. And the INFP was in tears afterwards. And the, ENFP, and the ESTJ was just like, eh, it is what it is. If you had dressed better, you wouldn't have been so sorry for yourself now, would you? And then walk out, you know, because the ESTJ likes to walk by, you know, oh, there's a room here and let me throw a grenade in and then shut the door as I continue walking by, etc. And that's literally what happens to the INFP in this regard. The ESTJ can be insanely cruel because the ESTJ doesn't give a damn how the INFP feels. But for some reason, Socionics says that this duality relationship is the number one for INFPs. Can someone explain that to me? The INFP is all about how they feel, but the ESTJ doesn't give a damn how the INFP feels. So tell me, Socionics, how is it possible that it's the number one relationship for INFPs? Can someone explain that to me? Oh, you can't. That's right, you can't. Anyway, it's just absolutely ridiculous to me. And, and the INFP is afraid that the ESTJ is stupid and the ESTJ is already worried that they're stupid. 
and the ESTJ is already afraid that they're a bad person, but the INFP is just worried that they're a bad person. It's like the INFP has already made up their mind about the ESTJ. The INFP is not there to support the ESTJ at all. So the ESTJ ends up going even more afraid of being a bad person. They do not feel emotionally supported by the INFP and it just turns into hell. It's absolutely horrible. And the ESTJ, any child is trying to motivate and I critic, that's impossible, that's not going to work, you know what I mean? And the ESTJ is looking for some stimulation from the INFP, that's not gonna work because the INFP is not a stimulating person. They're more of like, you know, they could be academically stimulating, but the ESTJ already views themselves as an academic. So why do I need to pay attention to an INFP if I've already got all my academia? And in fact, I could prove on paper that I'm even more academic than they are from an ESTJ point of view, right? So again, shortest distance between two points is a straight line. Look at all of that interference. They, they're like all trying to tune in to where they're going, but they got to go the furthest possible distance because they're polar opposites. But for some reason, Socionic says this is the best. Why? I don't know. It's like, I get so triggered over that. So triggered. So it... This is just not going to go well. And, and, and here's the other thing. The ESTJ, they have this INFP subconscious. And this INFP subconscious is trying to develop its own personal philosophy. And they come along and you see this uh, INFP trying to show their personal philosophy and try to sell their personal philosophy to the ESTJ. You think the ESTJ is going to go with that? No, because the ESTJ has their own personal philosophy. Or better yet, the INFP comes along and be like, I'm way better at finance than you are. I'm way better at... Uh, at organizing than you are, I'm way better at taking charge than you are, and then as a result of that, huh, the ESTJ is like, wow, I mean, you're obviously better at, you know, being managerial than I am, and being a secretary than I am, and being middle management than I am, you know, and again, it just becomes this co conflict, competition, comparing dicks fest between these two types. Definitely not a friendship I would recommend at all. Stay away from this. This is super huge conflict, in as much as these are already as well, but this one's particularly a problem. So anyway, let's move on into the compatible uh, types. So we have INFP and ENFJ, and this is awesome. So because INFPs are an NFP, they are prone to depravity in the same way that ENFPs are, except for an ENFP, their vice mainly is depravity. It's kind of a secondary advice uh, for the INFP depravity, but INFPs can be insanely lazy and they can be insanely selfish. Thank God for ENFJs, because ENFJs keep them honest. ENFJs verify the beliefs of the INFP. ENFJs keep the INFP from becoming lazy because, you know, ENFJs will lose respect for the INFP if they're lazy, right? Because the ENFJ goes out of its way to be so caring towards the INFP and to be so supportive and to give the INSP, INFP so much uh, comfort and stimulation specifically geared to the INFP and to share their thoughts with the INFP and verify things for the INFP that the INFP is like, oh, this is so great, oh yeah. Well, the INFP gives something really good to the ENFG, ENFJ the INFP keeps the ENFJ from losing their integrity because, for example, INFJs, their number one vice is corruption, right? And because of that, uh, the ENFJ, it's more of a secondary vice of corruption and the INFP can help support that integrity within the ENFJ and keep the ENFJ a good person because their FI hero, basically that moral compass is that moral compass that the ENFJ looks for. And as the INFP develops their personal philosophy, they can hand that personal philosophy over to the ENFJ and the ENFJ can then execute that personal philosophy and they start groups for activism. They get very involved in community involvement uh, and development, etc. even community organizing and whatnot, even politics. I've seen many ENFJs take personal philosophy from the INFP and then get involved with politics to bring about that personal philosophy in the political field, right? And this is how this relationship just goes synergistically. Not only that, the ENFJ can actually see into the ideal dream world of the INFP that they're daydreaming in and actually can work to bring aspects of their dream world into reality for the INFP. It is an absolute fantastic relationship. I recommend it. It is 
excellent. So let's find out why. Because, oh look, the cognitive functions are matching up directly on the spectrum that they should be because FE Hero is seeking to make FI Hero feel good and supported constantly. Well, no conflict there because the INFP knows how they feel and the ENFJ knows how they feel. No conflict, okay? Or their parent functions, same thing. You know, the INFP always knows what the ENFJ wants and they appreciate the ENFJ is responsible for what they want. The ENFJ will always tell the INFP what they want, so no conflict because the ENFJ knows what they want and the INFP knows what they want. Desire, passion, you know, plans, the future, the NI future for the self of the ENFJ and then, you know, the INFP can see the collective future and actually work to actually bring about a better future for the ENFJ, especially with the personal philosophy of the INFP. Or the INFP can dream up a solution, an amazing solution that would solve the problem of the ENFJ. It is absolutely brilliant what INFPs can do with that. When they could use their dreamland to create ideal solutions and present it to NFJs and those NFJs implement those solutions and it solves problems, especially social problems, uh, or philosophical problems even, or problems that has to do with law or rules, etc. They're able to solve those problems and then give them the EN to the NFJs and the NFJs can bring it into reality. It is awesome every time I've seen it and I've always just been so thankful for when INFPs do this. I, I, actually, uh, I actually worked with one at one point in time and uh, he was uh, he was dating an INFJ friend of mine, and uh, he was just this fantastic writer, uh, very good at uh, at writing books and writing uh, short stories, uh, poetry. Absolutely amazing writer at what he could do. It was super impressive when it happened, and uh, having that uh, that available at that point in time. Um, the ENFJ became so distressed with their business, and they needed some help, and then the INFJ just stood there. It's like, well. Why don't you do it this way? You would want to do it this way because if you did it this way, it would be good because of, and they gave a whole list of reasons to this ENFJ. And the ENFJ is just like, wow, that is the most amazing thing I have ever heard. Yeah, I'm going to do it right now. And that's literally what the ENFJ did. Literally did it right then. And it just built even more synergy. This is the power of the INFP because the INFP can literally use their dreamland to dream up solutions to solve problems before those problems even manifest or take place, right? It's almost kind of like they're this hermit prophet type person and it's really cool, but it's so focused on people and the ideal that it can actually change the fabric of society as we know it. Absolutely the dopest. I mean, let's be honest, I'm not very compatible with INFPs, but I have a lot of respect for them with what they've been able to do. And especially within education as well, I knew an INFP that I was kind of close with and whatnot, and uh, he was a professor at a local uh, college, and uh, he also developed his personal philosophy, and he was also able to solve and provide solutions to some major social issues that we were having within the community, to the point where the poor was being supported, the needy was getting fed. It was absolutely amazing to see what he was able to do just from a classroom in a college because he was able to inspire and bring inspiration to his students to be able to make changes in the community. That is an awesome human being. So it's kind of interesting. Can you see what I'm going with this, guys? Like. INFPs at their worst, they could be super mega manipulative and super selfish and depraved in that regard. But when they are focused outwardly on others and they're not being selfish, they really can, their personal philosophy can really be the bridge that is built that can save and change lives, right? And that's how this relationship is so important because like the INFP is literally handing the blueprints to this bridge to the ENFJ and the ENFJ is getting their hammer and they are building it out. That's why this particular relationship is so important. It literally has the capacity to change the world. And this is what INFPs offer in conjunction with NFJs, right? So let's do another one. So uh, the INFP, they're so focused on their comfort zone. They need to be, they need to be, uh, they need to be comfy. They need to, uh, you know, 
have the opportunity to experience new things, but do it on their terms, not to be forced against them, you know, by other people. And the ENFJ focuses on making them as comfortable as possible and giving them the best possible experiences over and over and over again. Even if the INFP wants to, to experience the same thing over and over again, which they typically do in some cases because it's part of their comfort zone, right? But the ENFJ knows that if the INFP is getting stagnant, the ENFJ will change things up a little bit and provide additional challenge to the INFP to get them out of that rut that they're in. And then once they're out of that rut, they can actually live life better and be more productive and actually dream up additional solutions to solve problems, especially people-related or social-related problems, etc. And so the ENFJ knows their INFP so well, can read them like a book so well that it knows specifically when to introduce the, that stimuli that might take that INFP out of their comfort zone, but again, they're not stagnant anymore, and then they can go back in their comfort zone again, but this time they're not stagnant, and it's really great to see when ENFJs do this because ENFJs are amazing mentors, and they can mentor INFPs and train INFPs, especially in areas of like fashion, for example, to get them going to keep INFPs contributing. That's the thing to get them out of their selfishness and keep them contributing. That's the power of the ENFJ in this relationship. And then once the INFP is in contributory mode, the contributions are astounding almost every single time. It is so great to see them do that. And it's so great to just see their heart poured out before all of the people and for the people in their community uh, based on their personal philosophy and how that philosophy can help people not just uh, financially it could change the laws um, it could uh, you know to get people the help that they need uh, etc and it it really even 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 academics like with with children etc and getting children to make sure that children are being properly educated uh, and and not left behind or abandoned etc by the education system INFPs are there to basically stem the tide and make sure that their personal philosophy is up front and center so that people know that that is not a principle that they should be going around so for the sake of the children getting the education that they need, for example. And again, that is a result of this relationship. INFPs are worried that the ENFJs are bad people or not as good as they are. Well, guess what? ENFJs are already kind of worried that they're not good enough anyway, so there's no conflict there. This presents an opportunity for the INFP to actually help engage with their moral compass with the ENFJ. So the ENFJ is getting the recognition from the INFP. The INFP is basically telling the ENFJ, hey, I feel really good about you. I'm glad that you want the, the right things for me, that you want the right things for us. You're such a great friend, you know, and I, and I really appreciate your support. And staying that appreciation keeps the ENFJ so focused on the moral compass and able to do what they're, what they're supposed to do in that regard. The INFP, uh, they're anti-critic because they see how irresponsible everyone else is with what they want, but they see the ENFJ really responsible with what they want, uh, you know, which is, which is great for the relationship. But anti-critic, INFP see everyone else in the world is super irresponsible with what they want, so they don't allow themselves to want things unless it's something they know for a fact matches their personal philosophy, and they're not going to allow themselves to want things unless something does, right? And if it does, and their morals are not corrupted, it would be a good thing, for example, you know? Uh, well, and, and which, by the way, uh, we actually skipped the function, but we'll go back to that. So, uh, but already, you know, they're critical with what they want, but the ENFJ is already critical towards what the INFP wants, and the ENFJ really appreciates that, you know, the INFP is already aware that people are irresponsible with what they want, so they don't allow themselves to want things, and the ENFJ is like, well, I am responsible with what I want. So, and I'm glad that you know that you may not be responsible like I am. And seeing that humility there, it just allows me to respect you even more and have a better friendship with you, right? And then uh, the uh, ENFJ has a hard time remembering things. So it likes to use the INFP as a walking totem, a walking, you know, library to uh, remember things for the ENFJ. And uh, it also allows the INFP to gain additional training uh, especially in social situations or with their dress, with their fashion, to make even better first impressions with people. The ENFJ definitely provides that support for the INFP. And then also, uh, uh, because the ENFJ doesn't remember things, the INFP remembers things for them, but uh, the ENFJ just is not really aware of the experience, the sensations they're having, because they're more focused on outward, more focused on giving sensation instead of receiving sensation, but the INFP doesn't really care about that either, so no conflict. 
and the INFP does not really give a damn about what they think and good thing because the ENFJ doesn't give a damn about what they think either. So it's actually the other way around. Because TE inferior, the INFP is afraid, actually has fear in them that the ENFJ is going to think less of them. And the ENFJ is already afraid that what they think may be incorrect anyway, so they spend a lot more time thinking about everything. So again, there's no conflict there. And then the ENFJ is always able to go to the INFP and be like, I think so highly of you, right? Which totally makes the INFP just go, yeah, this guy totally thinks highly of me. Yes, I feel so good about that. You know what I mean? And that it just produces a lot of synergy between the two of them, a lot of electricity, a lot of uh, positive negative polarity that just you know brings them together, super complementary instead of being repulsive. There is no repulsion here. Although conflict can come, it is rare, the relationship, because they're so together, because they're so able to tune each other and read each other like book, it could be an explosive relationship with lots of fireworks and it's absolutely amazing in every way that you could think of. But because of that, it has a potential that like, you know, if, if someone is lacking maturity here or there, or if human nurture kicked in because of bad experiences in the past, you know, maybe jumping to conclusions here and there, there can be the propensity of pain, just like there is a propensity of pain in any relationship. And the pain would be super great and super cutting uh, because it's super deep, deeply cut in that because they are just so integrated together and it just hurts even more, right? Well, luckily though, because of how all the positive things is that even if that is, that may be fleet, even that conflict comes, it may be fleeting and then just come back together and it'll be okay because they recognize that they are basically made for each other as a result. You know what I mean? So no issue there. Now we have the INFP, the INFJ relationship, which is literally identical to the ENFJ relationship. The difference is, is that instead of functions directly talking to each other across, they are talking from the parent to the hero, which has built-in humility and built-in respect in these functions because uh, you know the INFP just really looks up to the INFJ and how willful the INFJ is, how desirous, how passionate the INFJ is. And uh, the INFJ looks up to the INFP like how moral they are and just absolutely awesome in that way. And how, and the INFJ looks up to the INFP because of how comfortable they are all the time and how you know, the INFJ never has to worry about whether or not they're making the INFP comfortable at all because they just know that, uh, you know, whatever that they do, it's not going to like, you know, cause any damage to the INFP in that way because they're still going to be comfortable with them at the end of the day. And they really like how the INFP is just this solid rock, this solid terra firma that they can stand on. The INFP being the master of consistency, basically. Kind of like that, that Mount Hermit that is levitating above a, a still lake uh, in a trance, meditating hard, and then the INFJ comes by and throws a rock, and the rock, you know, their meditation is so strong that the rock doesn't even make contact with the INFP, and then it just falls into the water, and the INFP doesn't even notice, and is still within their trance, etc. And that is literally, you know, that relationship right here. And it's just absolutely great. They work out very well together, and the INFP really appreciates how honest and thoughtful the INFJ is. And the same way the ENFJ is super honest and thoughtful with the INFP because the INFP is just like, oh, wow, I'm so glad to be with such a thoughtful and caring person. You know what I mean? And that's, you know, and that this person is my friend. I really, really value them. That's what the INFP has in that position, you know? And the INFJ exists also to verify the belief system of the INFP to make sure that the INFP personal philosophy is good and it stays good and it's not corrupted by moral corruption or corruption of rules or corruption of principles in the same way the ENFJ does for the INFP as well because there is verification of belief systems there, which is excellent. The INFJ is worried that, uh, you know, that people may betray them with their any nemesis and they have that built-in paranoia, that INJ paranoia through any nemesis, but the INFP is not really worried about that because they do not allow themselves to want things. INFPs do not often betray people. Although yes, they do have the vice of disloyalty, but it's, that disloyalty doesn't come out unless there's like a huge pattern of behavior and a lot of wrong ahead of time. And you know, if there's this huge pattern of behavior and the NFJ has not spent enough time to actually remedy the situation, it's, well, I mean, sorry, that's cause for me to like end the relationship. And so the INFP goes and they end up with somebody else like that. 
And then the INFJ is like, well, you betrayed me. And it's like, no, actually you had a pattern of behavior. There's four separate instances where you did these things and I already told you not to do these things. What am I supposed to do, right? And then the INFP moves on from the INFJ at that particular moment. And it was the INFJ who was basically paranoid of the INFP. It created a self-fulfilling prophecy, you know? It's like when the INFJ accuses the INFP of cheating over and over and over and over, and then the INFP sense of, well, if I'm gonna do the time, I may as well do the crime, right? And the INFJ's paranoia of that, that was accusing the INFP of cheating actually ends up causing the INFP to cheat because the INFP is so sick of being accused of cheating to begin with. See what I'm saying? Self-fulfilling prophecy, that is an issue. NFJs need to be aware of the self, actually all NJs need to be aware of the self-fulfilling prophecy in this way because your any critics and your any nemeses actually can create self-fulfilling prophecies where you are literally creating the situation you are trying to avoid. Don't do it. So with that in mind, uh, you know, the INFP is worried that the INFJ may be a bad person. Well, the INFJ is very critical towards his self-worth anyway, so there's not, there's no conflict there. You know, and there's no conflict with what the INFP wants. They're not going to betray the INFJ. They're very loyal to their SI child, provided they stay comfortable around the INFJ. And the INFJ appreciates that they're comfortable because it allows them to be more comfortable and engage them, especially in the bedroom, because the INFJ doesn't have any performance anxiety. And SI child just completely eliminates all the performance anxiety on the part of the INFJ in the bedroom, especially with an INFP. It is fantastic absolutely fantastic and I have known some INFJs personally who have had many bedroom experiences with INFPs and they say it is exquisite and well I'm gonna take the word for it so moving on uh, the INFJ does not really care about uh, what they're experiencing and the INFP is just not aware of what the INFJ is experiencing so no conflict and the INFP does not give a damn about what they think and the INFJ is not really aware of what they think so again no conflict the relationship is it works out, there's built-in humil humility and built-in respect amongst the functions because they look at the other function as, as like they're higher and that they, and they're and they're like, well, I'm their lesser, but they're, they're higher here. But hey, I'm your higher over here and you're my lesser over here. So it ends up being a really good relationship. Definitely one I recommend. Uh, so, and then number third slot, number th third, number third slot, wow. The number three slot, INFP and ESTP. This is like the third highest according to social compatibility. This is super mega common for marriage that I have seen in the United States of America and first world society for INFPs. I have seen more INFPs end up with ESTPs than I have any other type with the exception of maybe INFJs. I've seen super INFJs. I've actually not really seen very many INFPs marry ENFJs. I just don't see it very often. It can happen and I would recommend it, but for some reason, INFP, ESTP relationship in terms of marriage is even more common than INFP plus ENFJ for some statistical reason, I'm not really sure. But let's break it down. The child function is absolutely engaged with the hero function. The child loves flying on the back of the hero. The hero is flying around saving the world with the child. Works out great. The parent functions are parenting the inferior functions and developing the inferior functions, making them better. The ESTP is making the INFP super intelligent. ESTP is like, hey, you should read this. And, and then the INFP is like, okay, yeah, I'll read it. And then the INFP reads it and they become stronger. Because remember, INFPs, if you want to become smarter, if you want to become the most capable and absolute most capable uh, that you could possibly be for your own selves, you need to read and read and read and never stop reading for the rest of your life. You should always be reading every single day if you're not already. And the ESTP knows this. Remember, ESTP's job, their primary goal in life, and ESTP's primary purpose in life is to make other people stronger, right? So when they see INFPs, and INFPs are typically seen as weaklings on in the eyes of ESTPs, the ESTP will rise to the occasion, come to the INFP, and teach them, and make them stronger, right? And that's literally what's happening in this relationship. The INFP is made stronger by the ESTP, but the INFP is able to make the ESTP become more human. That's the key. Because FI Hero definitely provides every child with that moral compass so that the ESTP can become more socially developed. So that when they're trying to make other people stronger, that they're not actually crushing people under them instead. But actually able to interface with them and be more like the sage on the mountain, the INFJ. And it helps build up the ESTP INFJ compass or, uh, or subconscious so that they can interface with people more. And through the INFP's guidance in a social situation, the ESTP becomes more effective, especially spiritually speaking, socially speaking, idealistically speaking, and being able to improve other people and make them stronger. 
uh, the INFP is able to supercharge the ESTP in this manner. Um, and the INFP is able to gain more intelligence. As a result, uh, the ESTP seeks to make them more comfortable. Uh, and these, this relationship is basically uh, a supercharger of synergistic personal growth between the two of them. They are able to reach their goals, their dreams together. They are able to have super high synergy in such a way where they are able to grow. It's all about self-growth, self-development, self-improvement as a result, right? And that is here in this relationship. Now the INFP, ISTP, super similar, very, very similar uh, to the INFP, ESTP. The differences with the ISTP is that you have to be careful because the hero function could be really big and crush the inferior function. So in this relationship, which is basically identical to INFP plus ESTP, but in this relationship, you have to have, you have to be communicating constantly. You have to make sure that you have a lot of maturity. You have to make sure you have a lot of patience. Uh, especially for the INFP, because the INFP could tell the ISTP, hey, you're a bad person, which is just only inferior, inferior, infuriate, and cause the ISTP to rage, but then the ISTP is at risk of telling the INFP that they're stupid, right? And that would also be a problem too. It can create bitterness and hatred in this relationship, but again, if they are communicating, if they are being really mature, they can have an amazing relationship that leads to even more personal growth because it's the heroes interfacing with the uh, inferior functions and they're getting all that heroic energy from the hero functions and the inferior functions develop pretty really freaking well and they're able to even do even further and the INFP gets uh, it feels super smart being around the ISTP and the ISTP feels way more human being around the INFP because the e, the INFP's FI hero because a person's humanity or feeling human is attached to the FI function aka morals or moral awareness or moral morality, etc. Definitely really good for ISTPs and INFPs can watch out for ISTPs because ISTPs can be manipulated easily by other people because they have any trickster and they're not aware of the intentions of others. But INFPs can always provide that oracle of warning to the ISTP, hey, you're going to get screwed. Don't do that. You're not going to want to do that. And then the ISTP is like, okay, yeah, I won't do that because that any parent is able to parent the NI child of the ISTP, and it is absolutely fantastic. Not only that, the INFP can develop the ISTP's ENFJ subconscious, which can cause the ISTP to become a great teacher, which is also really awesome. And the ISTP can help the subconscious of the INFP and cause their personal philosophy to actually come out in a very academic way through their ESTJ overseer. Awesome. Awesome. So. Awesome. So based on that, that concludes our episode here on what types are socially compatible with INFPs. If you found this lecture useful, helpful, educational, enlightening, insightful, please subscribe to the channel here on YouTube and leave a comment below about INFPs so that I could answer your questions or at least read your comments on social compatibility and INFPs. Please like the channel, uh, like this video as well while you're at it, this lecture. And uh, if you haven't subscribed to us on the podcast, please do that as well. Also, if you have yet to join the Discord server, the link is below in the description. Uh, we are very active on the Discord server, and I do two Q and A section, uh, two live Q and A sessions a month on uh, the Discord. Although sometimes it might be once a month, depending on what the schedule is. But who knows when we until we get to it, right? So please go and join the Discord server. It is free, and uh, join the discussion, and it is fantastic. If you have any questions for me that you would like to answer please drop it into the questions for CS Joseph uh, channel and uh, we will use that for our uh, live streams that we do uh, when we do it. And uh, also we have a meetup group for those of you in the Bay Area. Uh, click the link in the description, go to the meetup group, sign up. And uh, we already have our first event posted. It's going to be Wednesday, August 8th uh, in the Bay. So if you want to make it there uh, to that event, please sign up now. There's only 14 spots available for that particular event. And I think we're definitely going to have an event either once a week or uh, or once every two weeks. So it just depends on how many organizers we can get. And if you go to the group and you're interested in being an organizer, let me know and we'll definitely get that figured out. So awesome. Uh, I got many more of these to do. So like a lot. So with all that being said, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Have a good night.